CB On Air, cutting-edge conversations with those in the central banking community. Hello, I'm Dan Hinge, news editor at Central Banking, and you're listening to CB On Air. This week, we turn to the global regulatory landscape, which has changed almost beyond recognition in the past 10 years. Is the financial system safer? And if it is, will it stay that way? Once again, I'm joined by Andrew Metrick, the Janet Yellen Professor of Finance and Management at Yale University. Andrew, welcome back. Hello. So to to start with perhaps the obvious question, um, is the global financial system safer now than it was? And perhaps more importantly, is it safe enough? Well, uh, we get a complicated answer to a a simple yes or no question. From a structural perspective, from an understanding of the types of risks we face perspective, uh, we're safer. Some of the rules that were put in place are, are really good rules for preventing another financial crisis. And the understanding of, of the top central bankers, I think, uh, puts us in a better place. So there I would say, you know, the answer to the first question, are we safer now than we were, the answer would be yes in that structural way. The answer, however, is no uh, when we take into account the, the political and social realities that we have right now. There's just a whole lot less room to maneuver both on the fiscal side because of the additional debts that we have and on the monetary or rescue side because of the strong backlash to, to the way the last crisis was fought. So in that respect, if, if we were to need the kind of concerted and international response that we made 10 years ago, I, I don't think that the political capital exists to be able to do that. In terms of whether it's safe enough, on the structural side, even though improvements have been made, I don't think that those improvements are sufficient to enable us to deal with, with a very large crisis. I think that we, we took away some of the powers that we had to deal with an emergency while it was happening, and we've greatly emphasized the prevention side. Uh, that's all nice. It's good to prevent, but I do not think that we have we have made ourselves safe in the instance where we would have a crisis, and I do not believe that we have prevented them out of all existence. So uh, that leads me neatly onto the next question, which is how do you rate kind of global efforts to improve stability, such as Basel III? Obviously, some people say that uh, it's gone too far. Um, Banks complain that it's too onerous on them, and others are saying, well, you should crank up the leverage ratio to 20% or something, and then we'll be safe for good. Um, So how how do you think about that? Well, I, I, I think that um, on average, in general, it's better for our banks to have more capital than less capital, and that the banking system, the traditional banking system, because of the new capital rules, and also because of the clever ways that uh, uh, some, some uh, debt-like instruments have been made bail-inable, that the traditional banking system, I believe, is safer, and that the Basel rules have made it safer. I am concerned, however, about two things, and those concerns are large. One is, I do not think that the liquidity rules that have been put in place, while they've been well-meaning, I do not think that they're really adequately taken into account um, the, the substitutability of liquidity transformation from the traditional banking sector to the shadow banking sector. That is, that effectively, the liquidity rules that have been put in place as part of Basel III are things that are trying to limit in the aggregate, how much traditional banks can transform uh, long-dated assets into short-dated liabilities. But I think 
that the transformation of long-dated assets into short-term liabilities is a primary function of what the overall financial system does. And so to the extent we restrict that activity in banks, it will move, and it has moved, into less regulated entities. And that brings up the larger point, which is that capital in banks is is good, and it still remains the case that in many countries of the world we have bank-centered systems, but it has to be coupled with a, a parallel effort to have congruent regulation as much as possible on non-banks. Uh, sometimes that's institutions and sometimes that is markets. So capital may not be tremendously expensive, not as expensive perhaps as, as, as on an individual basis as somebody who, who is at a bank and really doesn't want capital ratios might say it is, but it's not free. And even small costs, uh, even a small cost of uh, additional cost of capital from having to have more equity or equity-like instruments on your balance sheet for a bank is enough to move some of that traditional banking activity outside of them, traditional banks, into shadow banks. So I think that the Basel III, as a partial equilibrium uh, move on the capital side, is, is good and is part of what a comprehensive solution, I think, would have to look like. But we still have not focused on the other side of that comprehensive solution. And on the liquidity side, I think that these uh, rules are, are well-meaning, um, but ultimately may prove counterproductive. So do you have any thoughts on the kinds of things that regulators should do to make the shadow banking system more ro- uh, robust, more resilient? So I, I think the types of things that are discussed at the FSB level with their real focus on short-term wholesale funding markets are, are going down the right direction. It's just hard things to implement. You know, among those things are thinking hard about what actually is, you know, looking, looking at, it at all points in time, regulators don't look at, at institutions necessarily, but need to be focused on what is currently serving as uh, short-term wholesale uh, financing. Where is it happening? And where it's happening to do what they can to eliminate regulatory arbitrages. They're never going to eliminate all of them. But they need to be cognizant of it. So a specific thing that uh, in the past Gary and Gorton and I have suggested is that, uh, for example, for the very large uh, repo markets that are out there, that we use a variety of carrots and sticks to impose minimum haircuts on repo transactions that are equivalent to and congruent to the kinds of capital ratios you would place on those same assets if they were held inside of banks. So that's one thing. Another thing that you can do is just pay attention to things like money market mutual funds. There's been some reforms in the United States that, that have done some good things and some bad things um, and have pretty strong connections with Europe. But you can pay attention to the fact that when money leaves banks, you look where it goes. Uh, and then you, you, sometimes we see trillions of dollars moving from one part of the system to another. And you ask, what is it that is maintaining uh, the, 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 some kind of parity between this new part of the system, for example, some parts of money market mutual funds, uh, and the traditional banking system, and you try to put in some form of parallel regulation. It's not a one-off thing. It requires vigilance on the parts of authorities about where things are moving. And most recently, that is a movement in the United States between prime money market funds and government money market funds, for example. Interesting. Okay. And um, in terms of the, the kind of big post-crisis agreements, 
do you think those will prove durable? We're already seeing a few forces in the US looking to, uh, inverted commas, tailor the regulations. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that in the in the short run, we're certainly having a uh, anti-regulatory push in in the United States and an anti-globalist and global coordination push worldwide. And uh, from my perspective, those are not good things. Those are not helpful. Um, but so far, neither of those two things has gone that far uh, on the financial side. You know, there are other parts of the policy world that I think are under a much greater strain. And uh, the the leaders of the global central banking community uh, that I know, I've been very impressed by. And I do not believe uh, that they themselves in their in, in their technocratic processes are pulling back uh, and that intellectually th- there continues to be a lot of progress that is made. So I am hopeful that while we are seeing a bit of a pullback right now, um, the long-term trend is still quite a good one, and our ability to cooperate across borders is continually improving. So I'm, I'm doing my best to be an optimist in this area, but nobody can deny that the, the, the very recent news has, has not been great. And if I force you to be a pessimist and, and get you to imagine that global agreements do come under threat, is, is there anything that we can do about it? I think that that um, that the agreements themselves at this stage, the the global agreements themselves at this stage on the financial regulatory side are not necessarily the things that have the most teeth that individual countries and individual central bankers still have in their national authority, the ability to do most of the good things that we need to get done. And you don't need that many countries, uh, uh, that many central bankers, you you can fit them around one conference table uh, to agree uh, to do things in a certain way under their own authority. And this is not, I think, uh, any kind of violation of of the political process. This is effectively technocratic decisions that need to be made about things like bank capital uh, and things like how to how to impose liquidity rules and whether or not we should have central bank swap lines that that are very much outside the political process and where we can continue to make progress on them. And so I don't I, I certainly don't want to see these the global agreements uh, unraveling. Um, but I think in the case of financial regulation, there's much more that we can do uh, just just in an informal way than, for example, in areas like climate control where you you need to impose some kind of different d- different system with teeth in order to be able to to keep the international momentum going on the financial regulation side we can do a lot of it just with 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 uh, central bankers being being smart about it and cooperative using the authority they already have that's a that's an encouraging thought okay um andrew metric thanks very much you're welcome